Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, and welcome to A Hungry Society. I'm Korsha Wilson, and this is the show where we talk about food, food media, culture, and so much more. Today's guest is Shelley Worrell founder and chief curator of Caribbean, an organization that celebrates and preserves Caribbean culture. Since its founding, Shelley has produced over 200 public programs in partnership with top cultural institutions, including the Brooklyn Museum, the Municipal Art Society, Queens Museum, and Studio Museum in Harlem. She has also taken Caribbean Global, with appearances in Poland, France, Barbados, and Haiti to represent Brooklyn as the Caribbean capital of the world, at the Caribbean Studies Association. Shelley has been featured in Brooklyn Magazine, Black Enterprise, Caribbean Life, Good Morning America, Guardian Media, and the New York Times. Shelley, welcome to A Hungry Society. Oh, thanks for having me. This is so much fun. I'm, I'm so excited to have you here today because I love Caribbean and the mission of it. Um, can you talk a little bit about the organization for listeners who maybe aren't familiar? Sure. So Caribbean was something that I con- conceptualized as an undergraduate student right here in Brooklyn at Brooklyn College. Um, so around 1999, um, largely because, of course, me uh, being the, the child of two Caribbean immigrants and living in Flatbush, which is home to one of the largest and most diverse Caribbean populations in the world, I wasn't really seeing ourselves represented um, in cultural programming, in media, in the arts, um, in the way that I really thought that we should be reflected. Um, so I had this idea um, to have a film festival. It was actually, um, we started off with the Flatbush Film Festival. And, um, but I didn't have the, the capacity, the resources, the, the know-how. So I worked um, as a catering. So I worked in food. My first jobs were in food. Um, and then from there, I moved on to work in the media. I went to grad school initially at uh, NYU, and I was studying tourism and hospitality again because I was really interested in the development of Caribbean culture and heritage and um, quickly learned that that wasn't really what um, I was looking for in terms of a program. Um, so I transferred to the new school, and I was studying media studies, um, again, because of that gap and that deficit of, of Caribbean representation. And I had a friend who invited me. Um, she was curating a space in Flatbush. She was in, at a library, and she, she called me up one day, and she said, Shelly, do you remember you wanted to like launch Caribbean and the Flatbush Film Festival? Well, we have this space that you can come and curate. Um, and so we set out to um, launch uh, Caribbean and the Flatbush Film Festival, and that's really how it came came to be. So it started off with film, and um, you know our first programs were huge failures. Um, no one really showed up. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing. Um, you think just because you're doing something, people will come, and you quickly learn that that's not the way it works. 
Um, so by the end, we we did have people show up, but they were all senior citizens. And it, again, <laughs> was it my my vision for the organization? And we do program, and we do love seniors. Um, and we we have done quite a bit of programming that are specifically geared towards senior citizens, but it just wasn't my overall vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went back to my day job. I was like, look, let me just go back and and do <laughs> what I know how to do. And um, and then the earthquake happened in Haiti. This is 2010, and um, our co-founder um, he was in Haiti uh, working on a relief effort um, and did a film. And of course, there's a, also a really large and significant um, Haitian population mm-hmm. in Brooklyn and in Flatbush. And so I wanted to screen this film and have a whole day where we can go and, and really celebrate. Um, um, with the community. I wouldn't say celebrate, excuse me, but really have a, a conversation and, and dialogue around, um, you know, what what happened in Haiti. I was personally affected. My mentor was working at the UN mm. and she was one of the ones who had perished mm. um, there. So even for myself, um, you know, I wanted a space where I can um, sort of convene. And so we, we brought together a group of artists and filmmakers and um, we went about the programming very differently than when we initially set out at the library. And so we partnered with Brooklyn College and we had a a largely successful event. There were over 300 um, people in attendance. Oh, wow. Yeah, so then, um, and that's what really um, put us into the multidisciplinary um, space, right? Because it was not only about film, it was also art and music and and talks and and community. And there was also food there as well. so you talk about, like, in interviews that I've read, uh, you talk about how growing up in Flatbush, it was just, you were immersed in Caribbean culture all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of why you started Caribbean. Um, can you explain the culture, the Caribbean culture of Flatbush? Yeah. For people who haven't been there? Yeah, so... Um you know, Flatbush, though it's changing um, right now, so we're sort of, like, right in the... Um, at, in that moment of gentrification, but but growing up in between Flatbush and East Flatbush, um, you know, you just really had a lot of exposure to um, sort of like Caribbean culture, Caribbean food, um, Caribbean lifestyle, um, and it was it was also really diverse. So I think it was one of those spaces. Um, very early on where I was able to really understand that my identity um, was a a bit more broad than being island specific because, um, you know, suddenly you're at the West Indian market or you're at, um, you know, even on the bus or on the train and and you realize that you have a lot of common common denominators, you have a lot of commonalities. So, you know, we all eat plantains, right? <laughs> you know, right. we're all a lot of us are eating like breadfruit and mangoes and that kind of thing. There may be different varieties or different ways that we're preparing them. Um, but there's, you know, all of these these commonalities that we we have. I also spent a lot of time um, growing up in the Caribbean as well. So mm-hmm. I spent all my summers, um, like a lot of Caribbean kids. Um, you know, from um, diaspora um, cities like New York, Brooklyn specifically. Um, so I think that that also had a very heavy influence. Um, and of, of course, my travel, because I've traveled extensively in the region as well. Mm-hmm. But I would say um, between the thing that um, really, uh, one of the, the most profound impacts on, on my own sort of like cultural identity is was growing up in Flatbush. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you talk about like, 
there's within Caribbean culture, there's this like, you know, there's this group. Uh, but within the group, there's so much like singularity, you know, but we are all kind of part of the same Exactly. Same region and... Experience. Right. right. But certain islands get very nationalistic. Yes, I've been talking about that a lot. So people ask me all the time, like one of their favorite questions is like, where are you from? And I just say, now I'm like, I am Caribbean. I love all of my islands alike. Mm -hmm. Um, But people are, you know, very proud of where they're from and and as we all should be, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's a huge part, you know, that's sort of like your accent, it's your national dish, it's, you know, your, some of your earliest memories, you know, you remember going to school or the capital or just very specific places. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's really a part of your your living memory and your family history. Um, But for us, it's really about... um, you know, no man is an island, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think together we're, we're much stronger. Um, and a lot of us have, in addition to, uh, sim- you know, commonalities, whether it's through food or, or culture, music, that kind of thing. But we also share a lot of the, you know, painful history mm-hmm. um, as well. Absolutely. So speaking of family history and, and dishes, uh, what did you grow up eating? Oh, my gosh. Um so many things <laughs> um, because I come from a family of cooks and oh, I wow. cook and I cook too. Um, and I think my, but no one ever taught me how to cook. Um, mm-hmm. So my mom was very specific about that, like in terms of her own, you know, sort of the way she wanted me to be brought up. It was never like, she was like, my daughter has to learn how to cook or she has to be able to, you know, be like some perfect, you know, woman or housewife or whatever that, you know, construct looks like. Um, But I I actually love cooking. Um, But, you know, one of the things I do remember, um, of course, is Sunday lunch, right? So that's a huge part of um, a lot of Caribbean households. And and that, you know, Sunday lunch is really made very early in the morning, Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, six, seven o'clock in the morning. So by like 10 o'clock, the food is already cooked. And you're having um, sort of like this epic meal around like 12, 1 o'clock um, in the afternoon, around midday. Um, another thing was roti. Mm-hmm. Um, so roti was, I believe, the first word that I learned how to spell. <laughs> That's what my parents told me, and, I, and it's still one of my favorite foods to this day. But every Saturday, my father made roti um, with different types of curries, and he would invite our family over. Um, and so that was in, in Brooklyn. Um, and some of my other, you know, going to the market, I think, is, is such a, and food shopping mm-hmm. um, is such a huge part of my experience as well, um, whether that was with my aunts um, in the Caribbean or with my mom. Like, mm-hmm. And I still go food shopping with my mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this <laughs> thing that we do. Um, it's like, you know, one of those traditions. And I didn't realize, like, how much um, and how important that is still to this day to me. Like, mm-hmm. I... Even for myself, I go to like five supermarkets um, just to like, you know, curate or yeah. like pick my f- select Get the different ingredients. Yeah. That you need. Yeah. Yeah. There's like one that I go to for seafood and there's another one if I want meat or a few that I might go to for meat. So there are meat markets or different places because I like the freshness or the way they cut it or that kind of thing. And the mm. same thing for fruits, for vegetables and other ingredients. Um, so um, more and more, I've realized that like going food shopping or and or to the market 
um, is a huge part of our sort of like culinary tradition. Mm-hmm. And you talked about there's this um, this New York Times series that's uh, like a day in the life or a Sunday mm-hmm. in the life of someone, and you were featured in that series. And you you talked about how cooking is ther- like therapy for you. Mm-hmm. It's very therapeutic. Yeah, it's it's definitely an act of self care for me. I love cooking I mean I love dining like mm-hmm. like eating is just like one of my favorite things to do <laughs> um, I, I just love food um, but as I was thinking about um, this podcast today um, I would say that there's nothing that gives me greater joy than to like actually prepare a meal and and really enjoy it I also garden mm-hmm. um, so I grow a lot of herbs um, in my backyard over 20. Um, so sometimes, you know, like 20 something, sometimes 30 something. And I grow a few vegetables and I've been starting to grow lettuce. Um, though my squirrel, my squirrels, like they kind of, you know, they, they like your lettuce too. <laughs> they, they, not the lettuce, they like my tomatoes and my eggplant. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm going to, they're making their own salad. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And they actually eat it on my, my table, my outdoor <laughs> table. So like they have manners <laughs> at least. <laughs> They're like helping themselves. They have a little setup. Yes, little glass they do. Of wine. Right, yeah. right. So, um, but dining, I'm sorry, but cooking um, is such a huge act of, of self-care um, for me. I just love to go in my backyard, gather my herbs, um, and or just like, you know, if I if it's not in, like now, um, you know, just putting something together, even if it's with what I have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing that I've learned how to do is like sort of put together some kind of meal, whether it's a soup or, you know, some kind of um, one pot dish with with sort of like what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, cooking is, is very, very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And, and I see it as like one of those um, top acts of self-care for myself. That is uh, one of the things that, for me, is like a common thread throughout every island in the Caribbean is, you know, the dishes may be different depending on, you know, the native culture there and the Africans that came and the different countries that that came. Uh, but food is always, always paramount. Right. Food is like so central food and music mm-hmm. I would say are like two of the things like on every single island um that is like that common thread um and and just one of those things that um is a really important part of of, of the culture mm-hmm. um throughout the Caribbean whether yeah. the English the French the Spanish um Caribbean I haven't spent as much time in a Dutch Caribbean but I would imagine that it is there too mm-hmm. it is there too so actually um I went to Aruba recently and Aruba, because of where it is, um, it's off the coast of Venezuela. Mm-hmm. So the music, it was the first Caribbean island I've been to where instead of hearing like soca or reggae, you hear reggaeton. Oh, wow. Yeah. And because Spanish is the, the second language, like most common language. Oh, right. Because of its proximity. Right. right. And so it was just like this um, really cool mashup of like... Um, of Dutch culture and Caribbean culture and South American culture. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's like one of the coolest things about the Caribbean is each island is like its own unique mashup that you won't find anywhere else in the world. Right. And so I just got back from Guadalupe on Sunday. Oh, wow. And I was, I spent like most of the last two months there. I was there for the entire month of January. Um, So I got there on the first and I got back um, Sunday the 29th. And, you know, they have a really interesting mashup because, you know, they have a, a very strong French 
tradition. And mm-hmm. so you see that reflected in a lot of their 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 cooking. Mm. Um, so they're making these amazing gratins with with provision. So with wow. plantain, of sweet potatoes, um, of cassava, you know, things that you I haven't seen elsewhere. Like I've seen bread food pie. I've seen, you know, a lot. My grand, my aunt makes bread food salad. Um, so, so instead of a potato salad, a, a mm. bread food salad, you know, so I've seen a lot of different, um, they even have a bread food gratin. They oh, wow. have, you know, a lot of islands have black puddings. They have white puddings that are made out of um, lombi, out of um, maru, so saltfish, mm-hmm. um, crab, which oh, are wow. amazing. Yeah, this is, this sounds amazing. I'm on the book a ticket. <laughs> I'm going now. Yes, I have all the places to eat and all the things that you should be Great. doing. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more of Shelly from Caribbean. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table, be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. All right. And so we are back with Shelly from Caribbean. Um, So let's talk dining. Do you have a favorite restaurant at the moment? In Brooklyn or anywhere, anywhere. So, because I've been spending the time, um, as I mentioned in the Caribbean over the last two months, my favorite restaurant at the moment is O Witty's, okay. um, which is um, a local, locally owned restaurant that's in Guadalupe. It's on the Marina in Saint Francois, and um, just as I was talking about earlier, um, doing this amazing job of um, really curating. Um, sort of like the best um, French Creole food. Um, and his desserts are to die for. I'm not even a dessert eater, but he has like all of these like sweet potato, like again, out of ground provision with coconut, um, macaroons, and um, his sides are also just really original and, and innovative. Um, so I would say Owitties is, is one of my favorite. Do you have a, a separate answer for in Brooklyn? So this summer, um, I was really into hummus. And I think that that has to do with my love for curry <laughs> and chana and doubles. Um, but, you know, of course, hummus has like this smoother, creamier texture. Um, so I've been spending a lot of time at, at Mimi's Hummus in Ditmas Park, which is in Flatbush and, and really close to... Um, home for me and Mm -hmm. I just it was like the first place that I had a meal when I got back so I got back Sunday Monday I was having lunch at at Mimi's Hummus (laughs) (laughs) nice I have to check it out and they also have like a lot of variations of it Mm -hmm. so um, they have uh, like a mushroom hummus Mm -hmm. and 
it's just, it's really, 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 really good. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite Caribbean restaurant? Yeah, I mean, I, Caribbean, Caribbean, Caribbean. Let me think about it. Um, I, can I, a bakery. So, yeah. Allen's. Okay. I love Allen's Bakery. Um, so, they have some of the most amazing currants and coconut rolls. Um, I also am a huge fan of, of patties. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's um, La, ba- La Baguette that's on Nostrand Avenue, very close to, again, to my house. Um, so I really enjoy, I really love the smoked herring um, patties. Um, smoked herring is, uh, if I had a choice between like saltfish and smoked herring, smoked herring, smoked herring <laughs> is always my, my first choice. Um, I like Jen's roti is a lot. Um, I love that they have really, really, really good doubles. Um, so I would say, and Peppa's for jerk chicken. Like Peppa's okay. jerk chicken is really like off the charts. Um, and the one in Flatbush, because I think that there's another outpost um, in Bed-Stuy now. Um, and I, even I was talking to the owner country um, last month when we were doing one of our little Caribbean food and culture tours, and he was like, this is the original one. And I was like, yes, I know. And I remember when that <laughs> Peppers was uh, Danny and Peppers, and they were actually located in the back of a fish market. And oh, it was wow. on the other side of the street. Um, so I love Peppas. They have amazing jerk chicken, pepper shrimp, um, mm. escovish fish. Um, so that would those are, are some of my favorite Caribbean restaurants at the moment. Awesome. It's... Um there's so many Caribbean restaurants in Brooklyn and then in, in New York in the New Jersey area. Um, funny story, I actually wrote an article recently and, tr- and tried to do a roundup and I had to keep the number of places to like, you know, three in Jersey and like four in Manhattan and X amount in Brooklyn. And when I tell you, I got so much backlash. Right. <laughs> because comments, you- Because everybody has their favorite spots. Right. And... Uh, Caribbean food and Caribbean restaurants, like you're talking about, what, like 30, 40 different countries. Like it's it's so hard to try and like Pick. round them up. Exactly. And like from fine dining to takeout. Right. Like there's so much. Right. So I just knew that I was going to get like a lot of shit for it. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, a lot of the best Caribbean food is really takeout. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you just sort of like go, you, and you, you can't even eat in the restaurants often because they don't have the space for it. Right. Um, so there, a lot of them aren't set up. I also like Susie's. Um, so if I can just add, I like Susie's roti a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like my favorite roti shop at the moment. It's on Church Avenue, um, but I think they really did, uh, and Coney Island. Um, but I think they did a really like good job of like curating the space, and you can actually eat there. Okay. Um, and I'm a person who eats my roti unwrapped. Um, and I eat it with my hands, um, and I will never eat a wrapped roti ever, (laughs) like anywhere, it doesn't matter. Um, so, you know, I like when I'm having roti, like I want it on the spot and they also cook it on demand. So it's not like the roti is like pre-cooked and then you order it. Like you go there, you're like, this is what I want. And they, then they make it for you and then you could sit and eat it. It's so good. Did you go out to eat a lot 
when you were growing up? We did, actually. Um, so my parents, um, we, we went out to eat and we traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mother was very big into exposing us to diverse cultures. Mm-hmm. So we ate a lot of different things. And, and, and my mom still, and I, and I cook a lot of d- different things. In fact, some of my best dishes are not Caribbean mm. um, or traditionally Caribbean. It's some kind of like mashup or remix <laughs> right? <laughs> um, inspired by... Um, but yeah, we did, we, we went out, I've been going out to eat like all of my life. Wow. Um, and you cook a big meal at home. Like that was part of the New York Times article where you have friends over and you'll like grill a fish and have wine, but also rum from all over the Caribbean. Can you talk about these dinners that you have? Yeah. So for a long time I was having friends over every Sunday um, so I was having these events called Super Sunday <laughs> and they started to become really exhausting because when people right. come over, they like, it's like, it was brunch and then it was dinner and then it was like more drinks and that right. kind of thing. <laughs> so I stopped doing it for a while and, and now it's sort of like smaller and more intimate. So we'll invite a few people over or we'll just have, you know, just be us, um, or us and family. Um, but I, you know, fish is one of like my, I've been on a, um, food 52, um, like cooking or live Facebook live, um, show as well. Um, Mm -hmm preparing fish because fish is really intimidating for people to make yes um a lot of people think oh my god fish it's whole fish like there's eyes there's a head and it's like the easiest thing to make like I prefer to cook fish than meat um and I don't really eat that much meat um and so I don't cook that much meat whether it's you know dining at home or or um you know when we go out but but fish is like the easiest thing. So I'm sort of like on this mission to demystify like cooking fish, um, <laughs> whether it's like a steak of salmon or sea bass or something like that, or sort of like a whole snapper or porgies. So um, it's become like one of my specialties. So a lot of times when people come over, like that's what they want. And it's so easy, mm-hmm. right? Because I can pre-prepare it. I wrap them up in foil. I can either put them in the oven or mm-hmm. I can put them on the grill. Wow. Um, so, and I, you know, they're stuffed um, with either, you know, and I, I, ch- I mix it up. So sometimes it's stuffed with fresh potatoes or sometimes it's stuffed oh. with couscous or sometimes only with vegetables. Um, so it has this very like Escovish kind of um, inspiration, mm-hmm. but it's not exactly. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, we, I love entertaining. I think I got that from my, from my dad. Um, my father just loved having people over and cooking for them. But, you know, hosting is a little bit exhausting. Right. Um, some of my parties last until like two o'clock in the morning. Oh, so. my goodness. Well, that's a good sign, though. You know, people are like, oh, let's hang out instead of I'm going to get out of here. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so that's a good sign. Yeah. But 12 hour parties are a lot. Right. Especially yeah, as a host, you're like, all right, let's wrap yeah. it up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so can you talk about uh, one of the worst dining experiences you've ever had? I haven't. You know, I was. I I haven't really had one because I'm so, you know, there was once when I was in the south of France and I overindulged in shellfish and escargot and I was sick for the whole entire night. Oh no. I have never been that sick. I mean, like you know, I don't want to get into details. <laughs> but it was just bad. Um and that's really the only thing that I could think about in, you know, the last, uh, you know, and going, you know, to Poland. Mm-hmm. I was in Poland once as, as um, for Caribbean. 
And that was a bit challenging for me just because of my dietary sort of like preferences. Um, I'm much more of a seafood eater. They eat a lot more meat and sort of like, you know, um, potatoes and things like that. Um, so that was really challenging for me. Um, personally, there wasn't as much wine. There was like vodka. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not really a vodka fan. And they were like, well, it's cherry vodka. And I'm like, it's still vodka. <laughs> right, exactly. But, you know, it's kind of like going to the Caribbean and not drinking rum. So um, I had a little bit of vodka. But um, Poland was another one that was just was very, very challenging. But I was in a very small village of like 1,500 to 2,000 people. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, there's like this film festival that um, was focusing on the Caribbean and they invited Caribbean to be there um, to be helped to curate the films as well as to present them and, and, and facilitate some of the, the talkbacks. But um, I just think that it was this unique situation and, and just where I was in Poland. And so those are, I would, I would say, the only two things just because like there I couldn't get any seafood or... Um, just like what I wanted to eat. So I was right. just like eating potatoes, like pierogies every day, <laughs> literally. And your body was like, what is right. happening? <laughs> For 12 days, it's like too long. Right. That's a lot of pierogies. Yeah. So um, I'm curious if you have like a running list of how many islands you've been to. The last time I counted, it was about 30. Um in, and that includes Cuba, Haiti. In fact, I'm going to Haiti on Sunday. Oh, wow. Um, for about five days. I was invited on a trip. Um, so, so yeah, uh, Trinidad, Jamaica, Guadalupe, Martinique. Um, a lot of them I've been to dozens of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few of them I've only been to a handful of times. Um, I would say the huge gap for me right now is the Dutch Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I have to make... Um, a very conscious effort to get there um, really soon. Yeah. Um, it's my dream to go to all of the Caribbean islands. That's quite an endeavor, though. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it together. I'm just going to come with you now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just put me in your suitcase. You're invited. I'll... Thank you. <laughs> um, so you went to Haiti. Um, are you going to Haiti recently? I'm going on Sunday. On Sunday. And then... You just came back from Guadeloupe. Mm-hmm. Where did you go before then? I was in Guadeloupe, too. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so we have a house there. Yeah, uh, and your husband is from Martinique, right? Right, he's Martinican and Guadeloupean. So okay. he, we have a house um, in Saint-Francois, which is um, sort of on the far eastern end of the, the island. So I've been spending a lot more of my winters there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could live, like, my best Caribbean life um, in the Caribbean. <laughs> right. Um, so just sort of like moving my work there for a couple of months. Um, and I'm just trying to think where else have I been to recently. Um, I've been spending most of my time in like, it seems like the Francophone Caribbean, mm-hmm. Martinique, Guadeloupe, um, Haiti. Um, yeah, those, those are sort of like my most recent and or upcoming mm. trips. Nice. For now. For now, yes. Um, so my last question for you is if you could have your last meal in a restaurant, where would it be and who was invited? Yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking about this for a while. Um, so probably it would be in the Caribbean um, with some spectacular view of the ocean. Um, so it doesn't have to be directly on the beach, um, but I think having some kind of ocean view 
Um, and I would invite some of my um, my friends that I grew up with in the in the Caribbean because they're just so much fun. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I love being around them. They just have like these really and and they have lived in the Caribbean all of their lives and. Um, there's something about their spirit that just makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it just makes me feel really comfortable and at home and welcomed. Um, and there's like no like pretense, like there's no like, okay, you know, like it, it's just a very natural organic feeling. Um, but if I had to, and of course I would invite my mom, mm-hmm. um, you know, my husband. Um, but if I had to like invite celebrity type people you don't have to but if you you i mean if i did i mean i would invite oprah um (laughs) i'm a huge fan of oprah yes um and i've been dreaming that i i met i like meet her like i met and i'm like talking to her like this (laughs) so i would invite her and probably rihanna because i'm obsessed with rihanna what's interesting is that no one's mentioned rihanna yet but i've heard oprah before um twice now oh cool yeah She's she's on the invite list That's for right. people's last dinners. Right, and I, I want to actually be invited to one of her lunches. Right. <laughs> exactly. They do look really good. Yeah, they look amazing. They look really classy. Yeah, exactly. And extravagant. Right, right. <laughs> so what are you eating at this dinner? Oh my gosh, everything. Um, I want Callaloo. I want, um, you know, I want some goat. I love goat. Um, so, so definitely some roti. Um... I would say probably some of that white um, pudding that I was talking about that they mm-hmm. make, the boudin that they make in the, in the French Caribbean. Um, probably a lot of like Caribbean fruits too. Like I want some mangoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I haven't had like a really good diverse selection of mangoes because every time I'm in the Caribbean, it's not mango season. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's only like, or there's only one variety that you can get. Um, so I would want... Um, starch mangoes, doodles mangoes, which are like those smaller, mm-hmm. um, sweet, juicy mangoes that I, I grew up eating. Um, and even some rare, um, ve- some rare fruits like a mommy apple, um, which is sort of, you know, it's a very, very large fruit that's mm-hmm. found in the Caribbean. And it's, um, it has a similar texture and taste to, to a mango. Um, yeah, so I would just like want like the spread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you drinking? Um, probably like Moby, uh, you know, just like refreshing. Or I would say a sorrel mimosa. Mm. Um, so sorrel mixed with, with champagne, which is amazing. I serve that a lot at a lot of my holiday parties. I've never had that. It's but so good. Uh, in my head, I'm like, oh, well, obviously that would be so tasty. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, you know, sorrel and... Some Ray and nephews, like the classic, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or some coconut rum and uh, coconut water and rum would be good too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And one of my friends also told told me that um, coconut water and champagne is also pretty. Amazing. Oh wow, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. In a, a coconut. Idea. Oh, in a coconut. Too. Yeah. So you pour the champagne into the coconut. Are there going to be whole coconuts at your last yes, dinner? Yes, for sure. There were whole coconuts at my wedding. Oh well, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I I feel like I could talk to you about the Caribbean like all day. We, I mean, we should just go there. Right. Let's book a ticket. Let's just book a ticket now. That's what we're going to do. Not a cruise, though. We we are going to no. fly from island are to you, island. Are you anti-cruise or are you like, eh, if you do it? 
I mean, I'm not anti. I would say I'm not anti-cruise, but... If I went on a cruise, it would have to be a very, like, unique cruise, right? Mm -hmm. It just wouldn't be, like, a cheesy cruise. Um, So, first of all, it would probably have much less people than, like, a typical cruise ship. Um, And I would say the destinations and the experiences on board, whether it was dining and or the cultural things that they were curating, Mm -hmm. um, would have to be, feel really authentic, um, Mm -hmm. or at least from a place of, you know... um, you know, yeah, a place of authenticity. I don't know how else to to describe it. So I'm not um, anti-cruise, but like a commercial cruise, I have never been and I don't have any desire to go on. You mean you don't want access to like a 24-hour pizza stand (laughs) on a cruise with like 4,000 people? (laughs) Right, and or like, right, a fake wave pool or whatever it is that they do. Yeah, no, I'm good. (laughs) Or like uh, Minnie and Mickey Mouse, you know. On right. stage. Right, right. <laughs> Disney, like, on ice. Right. In the middle of the Caribbean. Pass. I'm good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. This is so much fun. And thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time on The Hungry Society. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food Radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.